I tried so hard and failed for so long. You know, there were so many little businesses that I thought would take off. And I think that was partially caused by just the false hope <laughs> and, and the false promises of the types of people in that industry. You know, they're really just promising quick money and quick cash. But what was great is I actually ended up getting a lot of the core skills done. You know, I learned 10 years ago, learned copywriting for, you know, how to write ads or how to do SEO or how to do these little fundamental marketing and entrepreneurial skills, which believe it or not, I still use to this day. We're on a mission. We're going to find and uncover the smartest, most successful entrepreneurs on the planet, explore their highs, their lows, and how they ultimately mastered the game. I'm Martin Cook, and I'm excited to welcome you to the Smarter Destiny podcast. I'm grateful for you and your time. Now let's level up together. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to another Smarter Destiny podcast, where this time we have my friend Kevin Pascoe on. Very, very excited about this because we actually, like, you know, how your circles intersect online. Our circles intersect across multiple intersecting circles, if that makes any kind of sense. It is early right now. Kevin is a top dude who... I would say is well known for his balance and ability to to run very very successful businesses without sacrificing um, lifestyle and you know just happiness, which I'm excited to get into. Right now, he is sat in front of me with a beautiful blue light behind him. So those of you not watching the video, you need to see just how how glowing um, Kevin is. But Kevin um, today has already run eight figure businesses built scaled and exited those and i mean real businesses you know 20 employees offices the works and he's going to talk about that with us today but in addition to running very very successful businesses um kevin has shared that knowledge as a consultant giving back teaching because he's got a lot to teach all whilst traveling and living the life that he wants to live and so I think without further ado, let's let's bring him to the forefront. Kevin, how are you? I'm amazing. This is my aura behind me, me as you can see. Um, yeah, I mean, I'm great. You know, very happy, uh, very you know, honored to be here, even sitting in quarantine, which is a very <laughs> interesting time, and hopefully, um, hopefully, something that you know, for people listening, you know, much in the future that it's a nice reminder to, uh, you know, just remember freedom and happiness because, you know, even when you're locked inside, it's something that you can control. Um, so overall feel great. Fantastic. And whereabouts in the world are you right now? So in Vancouver, Canada, and it's just, uh, it's just getting into the best part of the year, you know, spring and summer is right around the corner. So, um, Kevin, on this show, what we typically do is we, um, we go back, we go back in time to a point in your history, which kind of, um, triggered this whole entrepreneurial thing. This, um, maybe there was, there was an event or something that happened that set you on your path as an entrepreneur. Do you have, um, a suitable time in mind? And if so, could you tell us about it? Please. Yeah. So, you know, I'd, I'd love to be able to say that I was the type who to a lemonade stand and, you know, was a little hustler as a kid. I really wasn't. But I, you know, I found I, you know, I stumbled my way into the at first it was like the make money online space, which I think is it, it has like the roots of being an entrepreneur. But you're kind of all you give a shit about is money. 
right? Because it's just like, it's dollar signs and it's, uh, it's, it's a quick and dirty thing that you think it's what you want. So, you know, me being a kid and, uh, you know, being awed by seeing, you know, I'm a big car guy. So, you know, as soon as I see a Ferrari or something, you know, roll down the street, I'm like, okay, what do I need to do to get that? And, um, so I actually had the really cool opportunity, um, to, uh, my dad went to, uh, one of these seminars. Um, I'm trying to think of what year this is probably 2000, 2006 or 2007, somewhere around there. And, uh, he, uh, there's a speaker at, that was, uh, talking at this seminar who was talking about how great it is to make money online. Very four hour work week type you know, talk. And he came back on day two of the seminar. So my dad said, Hey, why don't you come with me? Come check it out. And, uh, you can see if you like this. And I ended up going and actually loved it, you know, for the first time ever, you know, as I'm going into high school, you know, it wasn't really that engaged, but you know, this new business, like make money online thing, this like online real estate model really got me excited. You know, finally something I could, you know, um, start to to be passionate about and you know spend time researching and, and trying to make happen so that was you know how i got into it and you know to to make a, a real long story short um i just i tried so hard and failed for so long um you know there were so many little businesses that i thought would take off and i think that was partially caused by just the um the false hope <laughs> and, and the false promises of the types of people in that industry. You know, they're really just promising quick money and quick cash. But what was great is I actually ended up, ended up getting um, a lot of the core skills done. Um, and what's was really interesting, we'll talk later on about, you know, the the little secret project new company that I'm working on right now. But, you know, even still to this day, you know, I learned, what was it, about 10 years ago, learned copywriting um, for, you know, how to write ads or how to do SEO or how to, um, you know, do these little fundamental marketing and entrepreneurial skills, uh, which believe it or not, I still use to this day. Um, so although I didn't, you know, become a millionaire right away and I didn't get that Ferrari right away, um, I got those skills, which I think was really, really valuable, although I couldn't quite see it at the time. Um, I, absolutely, and, and I think I think there's a lot of people that um, could 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 speak of a similar story, right? Like some sort of captured in some kind of shiny uh, internet marketing person's uh, web you know, promising all kinds of things, including Ferraris, mm -hmm. and uh, and and then learning. But like you said, the skills. Um, you know, you you learn those; those become your skills. Uh, and so, um, you mentioned copywriting as a big one that that stuck with you. What other um, sort of fundamental or early skills um, did you learn, which you you um, uh, credit um, in, in a big way for your for your success later on? Sure. Um, I mean, I really got a taste of everything. Um, and I, I, I call this, you know, my old business partner and I used to talk about, uh, being in the trenches and we used to, uh, you know, related to that because you're literally every day just putting out fires all the time, whether it's, you know, working on ads for copywriting, SEO, 
um, email marketing. We're setting up Facebook campaigns. We're just running around doing everything uh, because you can't afford a team. You know, when you're just starting out, you don't have the revenue or the support or the funding to be able to do that. To do that. And, um, you know, you want to learn, you should learn, right? Like, it's not sometimes the most fun thing to do to pick up, you know, say, oh, shoot, I got to learn, you know, 15 ish skills over the next two years. How do I do this? Well, you have to do it one by one. And you just have to go through and get your hands dirty. And that means a lot of nights that, you know, you're up at this time. Normally, I'm not doing calls at 1130 at night, but it's quarantine. I appreciate so. it. <laughs> you know, of course. Well, of course. I mean, you know, I'm uh, my schedule is a bit off because of the world right now. But you know, it just kind of actually brings me back to those days of you know when I used to be actually, believe it or not, like almost opening up the laptop at 11:30 to do a whole four, five, six hour session at night and just crush work and and learn all through the night. So you know, I think a lot of people who you know have those those early days in digital marketing, you know, will definitely uh, think back to the times that it was headphones on head down and just you know laptop all night long wow and so, absolutely um you, you become quite nocturnal but equally still functioning fairly early on and it, you just carve out extra hours right where other people uh i don't know what the equivalent of netflix back then was but you know that that kind of um you find hours because you have to and, and and like you said you're in the trenches um mm -hmm. learning and so and so you you picked up a number of skills um and you you um went through these these various different um uh, things i i can remember like old course creators um uh, of the sort of last uh, 10 years or so and so I'm, I'm, I'm sort of trying to guess like some of the ones in my head like which ones it might have been but um but eventually you came to something that um began working for you shall we say like so something i'm um something that um, is notable in in the the results you made. Do you remember what the the first thing might have been in in that? Yeah, time? yeah. I mean, I I think the turning point was, you know, it was a combination of a couple things. You know, it was timing the the business and the partner, and I'll kind of expand on that. So before everything that I was doing for several years, and once or twice I was successful had, you know, if not 10 times as many failures, but they were all like projects. They weren't actual companies. Like they were always just, you know, a website designed to sell this product and we'd throw it up and try and do some SEO. And it was just the, this little collection of side projects. And, you know, that, that's great if your goal is to end up, is to make money, but after time was passing and I wasn't as successful as I wanted to be, um, you know, I kind of stumbled into starting a company rather than starting an income source um, or, you know, a new side project or a side hustle. That ended up being a big shift in momentum in thinking. Um, it led me to the business partner that I ended up working with for, I think it was over five years um, on that one company. And him and I met through a mutual uh, mentor. So we were both working with the same mentor. Uh, he's about 10 years older than me, but we shared a lot of, you know, similar experiences, you know, had been in the trenches together and, you know, at, uh, in different companies, uh, he had a, a more successful company than me at the time, but he wanted to do something bigger and something that actually had real impact. And, 
you know, we had a social mission that we ended up doing to give back. And, you know, we wanted something that could actually be, you know, scalable and big. And, you know, I think that's a really great lesson to learn for anybody who's, you know, either just getting started or, you know, is, is maybe only a couple of years into the journey is, you know, sometimes you don't want to think big because you're scared of failure or you think you're actually not good enough to do a business that big. Like, you know, somehow someone's going to hand you a trophy when you do a, a $5 million business that allows you to do a $50 million business after. Like, it doesn't really work that way. And in fact, you know, I might be young, um, you know, relatively at 27. But when I look back and, you know, look at a lot of, you know, tech companies, there's been so many other kids that have been five, six, seven years younger than me that are leap years ahead. So uh, I think that being able to think big, but actually understand how you can get big um, and understand the scale and the path of how to get there is really important. Um, and luckily, we ended up doing that with with the next company, which was uh, the one that I did for the last five years and, and just recently exited from. And uh, that company is called Nested Naturals. And we sold um, a range of, of health products, you know, vitamins, multivitamins, uh, we had a best selling sleep aid, a greens powder, um, just a lot of really cool vitamins that can help you out when it comes to, you know, sleep and vitality and lots of things there. Um, we had a great social mission to give back and help other people. And I think that all these little things just culminated into success that we were just, you know, day at a time in the beginning, that first year was just us picking away at success and little by little making it happen until we finally had enough momentum to, to keep it rolling. So, um, you know, I think that that turning point was in a way getting serious about, uh, scale, finding the right partner for it. And then the the third part that I was going to mention was timing. So we, you know, you know, we definitely got lucky by launching on Amazon the time that we did, but also we make our own luck. Like part of it was, you know, we had the choice to choose Amazon or eBay, you know, both were available at the time, you know, it, it was a no brainer to go with Amazon, but like we could have created an eBay business, um, or something else or a retail business, but, uh, we were able to latch on to the right timing on launch on Amazon at the right time. And, uh, you know, that, that was definitely a factor for success as well. Incredible. And so, and so, um, rewinding a little bit, so you'd had a a degree of frustration or a degree of awareness around, um, creating lots of projects rather than, um, a real business. And, and I totally feel you there. (laughs) Totally. You know, back in the day where you're like, Oh, I'll just, I'll try this out, try this out, try this out. And you end up, yeah, a a folder full of different projects that you can't possibly manage all at the same time. Um, but you, you, um, you stumbled across your, um, your would be, um, business partner. Um, and you said you both had the same mentor. Um, do you mind sharing who that mentor was? Yeah. Uh, it was Dan Locke. If you've seen him on YouTube or anywhere else, uh, he's actually here in Vancouver as well. So, um, yeah, we worked with him for, I don't know how long Jeremy worked with him for, but for me, it was about, I want to say about three years and it was with him. It was, we did a bunch of side projects, which, you know, wasn't necessarily a bad thing. Um, you know, it was great for him and his business, but 
um, you know, I knew I didn't want to do that forever. You know, that was a stepping stone into the next, uh, the next, uh, you know, chapter for me. Absolutely. That's, that's interesting. Um, so yeah, Dan Locke definitely, um, has, uh, blown up in, in, in recent times over the last couple of years in particular, I think in terms of his, um, his, his presence and, and following, it's interesting. What was he, what was he, um, uh, what was the main thing he was sort of teaching or mentoring you guys on back then? So, I mean, he was, he, he was the teacher of those fundamental skills. Like it was the copywriting, SEO, affiliate marketing, email marketing, all that stuff. And, you know, the cool thing was that, you know, at least the deal, the deal that I had with him was, you know, he said, I'll, I'll teach you this stuff for free. And I'll give you kind of the keys and you can go through and you can learn how to do this whole thing. Um, I'm not going to pay you, but if we do a project together and it makes money, we'll do a profit share. So I was like, great, because I was in high school at the time and, you know, had almost no living expenses. And I really wanted to do this thing, you know, and I had a laptop and that's pretty much all I needed. Um, so it was a great deal. And some of those projects actually did end up being, you know, especially for the time, you know, pretty successful. And, uh, you know, just as a quick side note, you know, just to, just to portray the ups and downs of, you know, the, the, you know, the entrepreneur life or the entrepreneur struggle was one of the side projects I ended up doing. Well, I think when I was 18, uh, made just over a hundred grand from that project, which was great. Um, ended up moving out of the house cause I always wanted to come here to Vancouver. I grew up in, in Calgary, which is an hour flight away. And, uh, you know, I was like, you, you know, part of the, I think the lesson that I learned, uh, in this is thinking that just because this works out doesn't mean it's going to be sustainable forever. You know, you really have to have a good foundation and a consistent solid path of income for it to be reliable. So, you know, here I am thinking, well, if I can make a hundred grand when I'm 18, just imagine what I can do at 19 and 20 and 21, you know, I'm thinking that I'm going to be a multimillionaire by the age of 21. So I go and spend most of that money when I'm 18 and get an apartment and a car. I'm buying, you know, just mostly stupid stuff because, you know, what else do I have now from that when I bought when I was 18, probably not much and ran out in 14 months and not only ran out but went 30,000 in debt um on my credit cards. So here I am 19, 30,000 in debt, had to move back home. Um and what's worse is that the projects that we were working on we decided to discontinue and those uh didn't didn't quite bring in any revenue anymore. So um had to do a real quick flip and and pivot into another um which was my final uh, project of a social media consulting agency, uh, which ed actually ended up being fairly successful. And, you know, I got a handful of clients from that and that tied me over for about a year, year and a half until, um, you know, like I mentioned before, the real, the real true legit business started, um, at nested. So, well, I think, you know, it just goes to show that, I mean, it's cliche, but never give up. You know what I mean? Like it's, it, it things can look so good they can look so promising and, and you get you think you get what you want and it just it looks like there's going to be more of it um and there's been times that you can just get completely smacked down you know and i think the 
you get so many ups and so many, so many positives to being an entrepreneur. Uh, you know, being able to work from a laptop, being able to travel, being able to choose and, and make your own decisions. Uh, but the other part um, is that, you know, you are a piece of the system, right? And, and you've, you as an entrepreneur can use it for good and use it for your own benefit. Um, but you are usually in the beginning a little fish. And sometimes that wave comes crashing down on you. And it hurts, right? So I think, being able to uh, dust yourself back off after you you get up and just keep moving forward is you know important and just learn to love it. I love that. And so um, I wanted to talk about that that transition into um, nested naturals, if you will, um, because it it seems certainly the the social consultancy. I don't know what the the um, the project that did a hundred grand, but it sounds like there might have been a pattern for. Um, I call it selling uh, selling pixels. Essentially, it's it's digital, right? So if it's an affiliate, um, if it's an affiliate side of things, or consultancy, or selling a course or training, or it's it's selling pixels, right? Um, and no disrespect intended at all from that. It's um, it, the the flip side would be selling something physical, which is what nested naturals um, would be, right? Something tangible that mm -hmm. um, that users are consuming. Um, what was it that made you um, want to get into um, that particular space, um, uh, as well as um, selling it in that particular way, I guess, um, like with the Amazon versus eBay yeah. side. So it was actually a personal passion. Like we, the both of us, my um, business partner, Jeremy and I, both had a passion for health and wellness. In fact, both of us were the skinny kid and, uh, you know, wanted to bulk up and, and, you know, I at least learned the hard way to, you know, when you're skinny, all you want to do is get bigger and you don't really care how. So you go and you buy muscle gainer, you know, milkshakes and, and workout powders. And, you know, I start taking it and it works. It definitely gain. you know, you get weight put on. Uh, part of the problem, though, is once you look into the ingredients, you find out that it's almost at least the one I was taking was almost basically pure sugar. It was like corn maltodextrin. And, you know, I ended up getting like skin problems and just weird stuff was happening from it. And my personal experience was, you know, how come I can't just get something legit for supplements? Because it's always something shady. You always get sold on something that you didn't want. It's just you're confused. You don't know what's, what's in this stuff. And uh, Jeremy had the same, you know, exact same um, personal experience with himself. And we were like, Hey, you know, maybe we can, we can do something with our own brand and maybe we can just not, you know, lie to people and maybe we can show off what's inside instead of trying to hide it. And that was literally the idea. Um, and we chose Amazon and, you know, he had actually, um, really discovered, uh, its greatness because it wasn't, you know, at this time, it was just starting to get big down in the US and like it hadn't even really started in Canada yet. Um, and he's Canadian too, but he had some connections I, um, to someone who you've also interviewed on the podcast, Ryan Moran. Uh, so shout out to Ryan, love them. Um, but um, so Ryan and Jeremy are friends and they were, they were talking about uh, Amazon and how it's just coming up. And because we both had digital marketing experience, um, it seemed like a really good fit. So we're like, okay, great. Like, let's, let's launch there. Um, and we're like, well, what's the next step? 
and we're like, I don't know, let's Google it or let's figure it out. And like, you know, it was just so funny how we, you know, had some fundamentals, you know, we're, we're smart guys, but you know, we're, we don't know this industry. We don't know what we're doing. Uh, but what's great. And I think is so, so beautiful that, you know, us, uh, we did this and not only, you know, us, but you know, thousands, um, of other sellers on Amazon and e-commerce entrepreneurs, you figure it out as you go. I mean, you know, I've got friends that started sunglasses companies and beauty companies and, you know, all these sorts of different companies that they didn't know a thing about the product until they got going and just learned, um, you know, and, and even it's rumored that even Elon Musk didn't know how anything about rockets until he decided he wanted to start a rocket company and just started going through every book he could on rockets. Um, you know, so as long as you're smart and you've got some will, uh, you can learn anything and, you know, start a business from it. Absolutely. And what do they say? They say the, the definition of expert is just knowing a little bit more than what most people know, right? It's a little bit more. And so, you know, obviously to, to run a successful business, you have to be many levels above that, that expert level. If you're the one that you're the practitioner, if you're the one doing it, but, um, but actually, yeah, the, the misconception is that expert requires, um, you know, 20, 30, 40 years of dedication to, to the service. And they definitely are experts, but it's, um, a whole extra level. And so do you, um, do you remember any, um, perhaps sort of first year struggles or encounters like unexpected ones that you, that, that you, um, came across, um, in your first year of figuring it out? Yeah. I mean, I, I think for us, it was a big mindset shift. So we had this, uh, we had this spreadsheet, which, um, you know, it, it's funny now when I think back on it, but we had, if we made, you know, uh, it was like doing our, our margins. So it was like, if we make this much gross revenue and we have these fees and we have this cost and we get this net profit. And if we split that 50, 50, here's how much money we're going to make. And, uh, it was just so funny to think that in the first year of a company that you're going to take all of your profit, a hundred percent of it and distribute it in like, into the pockets of the owners and say, yep, this is how much we can, you know, pocket ourselves. So we had this spreadsheet going and, you know, we were super excited about the numbers. We're like, wow, if we can scale to this many sales a day, we can, you know, make this much money. So that, you know, mindset of, you know, make, making money online and the, the short termness of it was still there. And, uh, what we found is that, you know, a growing company, especially in the beginning, needs cash. You need fuel on the fire. And what we ended up doing was basically not following any of our projections for how much money we'd actually profit. We ended up putting it essentially all back into the business, um, you know, which was tough because, you know, for me, I didn't really have that many expenses and I was young. You know, he's a bit older, but he was able to, to cut down on things and become frugal. It wasn't something that we wanted to do for a long time, but I want to say, I'm just going off of memory, but I think it was the first, I want to say that the first 12 or 18 months, we paid ourselves nothing. And when we were like 12 or 18 months in, we were about a million dollar business. And the reason why that we paid ourselves nothing is because we're like, hey, we can do you know several more million in the, in the coming years if we take this money now and just put it back into inventory, because that was the biggest thing in the beginning, which, you know, 
was our first experience because we hadn't had a physical products business was just the, the, it's like a, a hungry hippo and the whole thing you're feeding into it is inventory. And, you know, you have this like perpetual cycle, which is really frustrating in the beginning. And you, you hit this like inflection point where in the beginning you can only sell as much product as you make, of course. Well, it's like that, you know, obviously all the time, but you can only afford a thousand units. So you can only sell what's equal in revenue to a thousand units sold. But the problem is demand, at least for us, was so high that we need to order 5,000 units on the second run, but we literally only had enough money for 2,000. And then we went from two to four and then four to eight. And then we're always behind until we hit this level where uh, not being able to afford, you know, catch up to demand was a problem anymore. And we could have extra inventory on top. That was like a big deal that we hit like maybe two years into the company, um, which is funny to think back on. But, um, you know, I think it's just over time, these little things that we learned of, you know, at first it was like, how do we make money online and how do we split all this profit that we're going to make? And then we actually ended up doing it. We didn't take out the profit. We actually learned, you know, how to run a business, not how to make money. And the thing with how to run a business is you need cash. So we kept that in the business and continued to, you know, make wise decisions and, you know, try and actually treat it like this company is going to be around for years and years, which, you know, still to this day it is. It's, it's year six or year seven for the company now. That's incredible. And um, yeah, and, and absolutely. I can imagine the frustration when you've got customers uh, digitally queuing up, um, uh, if you like, at your at your door and, and you're like, ah, we need to make a product quicker. Um, how how quickly could your manufacturer or, or where what country was your manufacturer based in and how quickly could they turn around stuff typically for you? So it was all done in the U.S., which was great. Um, you know, obviously with supplements, you want something that's made in the U S and, you know, our biggest market for the longest time was, was the United States. Um, and we opened up to lots of other countries later on, but you know, it was all domestic, which is great. But, um, even still we were looking at, you know, eight to even 12 week lead times. Um, you know, and the reason why is because we had some custom formulations and, um, you know, I think, pretty much well pretty much the whole way um so that was one of the things that we really wanted to do that did set us apart was do custom formulations instead of just doing something that's off the shelf that you know a hundred other companies had we wanted to you know stand out a bit but what that means is you know the, the customer's going to love it but they're also going to have to wait for it because uh, mm -hmm. that stuff needs to be made and it takes extra care and, and time for that to happen so um you know, that, that was a bit of a struggle. And I think that we could have, you know, we tried our best, but if I were to go back and do that again, I'd be very, very, uh, I, I'd pay a lot of attention to lead times because, you know, like I said before, you know, you're creating this supply chain machine and you can only, you're, you're trying to match supply with demand. Um, and, you know, hopefully if you're doing things right, demand is high. So now it's your job to match your supply chain to fuel that demand um, and it's a lot harder um, you know or a lot easier said than done yeah I, I imagine particularly with a with a 12 week lead time plus Amazon processing time if you like um, to, mm -hmm. to, to predict what's coming up and then when you have the sort of seasonal trends or, or yeah th those spikes would be 
um, very damaging. And so um, f fast forwarding a little bit to the, the sort of later years of this, um, um, I'd love to, to get um, an understanding of the, the uh, assumptions, problems, challenges that a um, eight figure um, Amazon or brand that uh, whose majority sales channel is Amazon. Um, what kind of uh, things kept you up awake? Uh, kept you awake at night in the in the in the later stages when when you were a company um, at that kind of size? Yeah, um, you know, I think the scale. Uh, it it's it's good and bad. And what I mean by that is it's good because it solves a lot of problems. It gives you more revenue. It gives you more profit. You can hire more people. You can do pretty much anything you want to do with it. You know, you can sell more product to customers and make more people happy. Um, you know, on the flip side, you're also spending a ton of money. You know, you're just, you know, some of the POs that we're writing and, you know, the advertising costs and, you know, salaries, although we were, you know, not to say that we were spending recklessly at all, but these numbers were huge. I mean, they were they were so much bigger than I thought they would be. Uh, we were still, you know, a really great profitable business, um, but it's just interesting to see. I mean, when we we were, you know, an eight figure per year business doing over ten million, um, you know, a year. So you know, we're averaging let's say around a million dollars a month. Um, it's just interesting to see how quickly that million dollars can go when you've got all these moving bits and pieces, um, you know, and, and these wheels that are turning. Um, so there's a bit of fear, you know, thinking, you know, what if something happens? What if there is, you know, a crazy, you know, thing like what's going on in the world right now that's completely out of our control that could, you know, dismantle things? How do we protect against that? Um, you know, interestingly enough, I'm not sure if this will apply to, you know, all the listeners, but, you know, at least the ones in Canada, the banking system is a lot more conservative than the U.S. and is very difficult to get any type of financing or, you know, any type of um, even somewhat of a relationship with the banks. So we were slowed down a bit by that. Um but we're able to work on it, um, getting some Amazon lending later, later down the road. Um, you know, and then speaking of Amazon, just the whole, you know, the trying to find uh, the duality of Amazon. Um, you know, we, we knew what we got into in the beginning, you know, we're, we're selling on some other company's platform. We don't make the rules. Uh, we had hoped in the beginning that they were going to be rational and they were for a while. Uh, and then they weren't and, um, you know, things just got really crazy and we were able to weather the storm just fine. So there was no, you know, no account shutdowns. There was nothing crazy. I mean, we didn't push it. You know, there was, there were some other companies that really pushed it far and, and they did end up getting more than a slap on the wrist. But, um, you know, it is for sure scary to think that, oh man, so much of our revenue comes from this one channel, it'd be great to diversify. And we, we did, and you know, we're, we're somewhat successful at that. Um, but you know, as, as many people know from trying to diversify off Amazon, it is a different game. 
you know, you're playing in a different world. And it, it's not to say it's impossible to do, and lots of companies do it, but it's a different game that you're playing. Um, sure. So those are the types of things that kept me up at night. Um, yeah, it, like you say, it's a different game, and I mean the different game that you refer to is is the is the game that I've been playing for ten years, right? And uh, I remember when we connected um, in um, Ryan's um, backroom mastermind. Um, yeah, I, I found myself um, in a in a group of very very um, intelligent, um, successful people um, who had that similar thing, right? Like like you know stories they'd heard stories of. Amazon accounts being shut down and so on and tremendously successful on Amazon, but realizing that it's almost like a, a switch in Jeff Bezos's house that it could just be you're dead kind of thing, you know, to, to the uh, to the actual listing and the brand and the and, the, you know, and everything on that. And I remember coming in because I had no idea about Amazon. Um, you know, I was on the flip side. I was like, this Amazon thing sounds great. You know, really easy to get into Amazon and learn from the best. And so it was a really really interesting situation to see um i guess uh the 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 two sides of the fence right admiring the neighbor's grass on 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 each side mm -hmm. of of the fence um there and um and so you but you, you said that you um you did diversify so what um what areas did you diversify that business in so uh we're doing e-commerce on our own website of course um, what was really interesting to me, which I didn't really, um, I don't really think much about, but, you know, I think actually showed a lot of potential, um, was wholesale. So one of the cool things about wholesale that I really liked is, you know, you're talking about before, of uh, um, supply and demand, and you've only got so much inventory to match so much supply or uh, demand. And uh, the thing is, you can only sell as much as you make. Well, in wholesale, um, it's still the same thing, but at least with the clients that we were getting there, we were able to get paid for the units in bulk. So instead of you know 100 customers buying 100 bottles, it was one customer buying 100 bottles. And it's way easier to manage that relationship. Um, and what's interesting is, there's all these other, you know, cool tricks that you can do to get them to buy more. So they might buy 100 units of one, you know, SKU. Well, send them another SKU along with it and get them to try selling that. And if their customers like it, then send a third. And you can just, you know, little by little over time, you can take one customer or one client that was buying 100 units and you can bring them up to 1,000 in a year. Well, imagine if you had 10 or 15 or 100 of those. Um, you know, it is a different business. It's not e-commerce. It's not direct to consumer. You're putting someone in between you and the customer, but it might be great for what you want to achieve when it comes to cash flow planning. Um, and in fact, you know, it's a way for you to get into stores. Like it, it was how we got into stores of, you know, some random, um, well, I say random because they were, uh, you know, stores that just reached out to us. But, you know, you can also leverage those relationships by, um, you know, reaching out to stores that you want to get into and saying, well, hey, we're in these stores in these states. Let's try out our products in your store. <clears throat> Let's see how it goes. Um, so that's a good example of how we diversified. And, um, you know, I know that they're working on that quite a bit after I left as well. So I can only imagine today they're 
they're even more diversified, um, you know, especially on e-commerce because there's so much opportunity there. Um, I think, you know, someone <clears throat> put this as a, a really good way to think about it that, you know, Amazon, you know, it's like Mac and PC. You can do the same thing. There's just two different ways. So it's like Amazon is one way and Shopify is another. You just have to learn the different language and figure it out. You can still buy something. It's just done in two different, very different ways. Absolutely. And I think um, I think in the in the ways that we're um, on our side of the fence, I guess. Um, and and by the way, anybody listening, uh, I know I'm talking about sides of the fence, but but truly your business right now needs to just be everywhere. Right. It can't just be one or the other. And you need to try and balance it. And that, that true balance and diversification is 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 the goal. Right. For, for, for any business that you could lose a part of your business and the rest of the other parts of the business continue to flourish even with that, you know, missing that thing. Um, so, um, but yeah, it's, it's, it's just, you know, in, in, uh, on Amazon, it might be the fear of losing your account, um, on, um, on the Shopify side, it might be the fear of, um, you know, the, 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 the hot, lovely vein of successful, um, advertise, you know, ads that you've been running suddenly, stops working your pixel stops learning or whatever right there's 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 these eccentricities on both sides so um before um before we jump into um the your your current project or what we can touch upon about that um just in closing on the amazon section there for for um anybody that's sort of newish to amazon or getting started um in in 2020 or just generally um looking at the landscape of amazon or or assuming that amazon's the same now as it was um, way back when you started what advice or guidance would you give that person yeah i think that you know one of the what i would honestly do if i were to get back into it um which i think really applies to anybody who's just starting out right now or thinking about starting out is you need to understand how you uh, as an entrepreneur and as a person who wants to create a product and provide value to the marketplace, you have to figure out how you're going to fit into that piece realistically. So a lot of people start companies with the idea of exactly what it's going to look like before getting any feedback from the market or understanding how to do it or even having a backup plan if that thing doesn't work out or if they need to pivot. Um, and there's just a laundry list of companies that you use today in your house or on your computer that never even started out close to being what they are today. You know, there's a lot of companies that start, need to get feedback from the market and then they change and they pivot and they do like a metamorphosis to find a group of people that love them enough so that they can continue to grow and stay in business and then eventually flourish. So I think the mistake I see a lot of people making is they have an idea of exactly what they're going to sell, what it's going to look like, and you know everything they've got ironed out in their head which is great and i love the the vision and the 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 action of that but part of the problem is if the market doesn't respond to that um it's going to be very very difficult for you to be able to turn over that inventory cuz once you've bought it it's it you've bought it like you can't, you can't give it back to the contract manufacturer 
And what's great about Amazon, obviously, is you can do keyword research and you can find out demand and you can find out what people actually want even before you ever spend a dime. In fact, the only thing that you need to spend money on is a keyword research tool. Um, and I think there's even free ones. So, you know, I think finding out what's in demand and then working backwards from there is going to be a lot better than having the perfect company in your head and then going from there instead. Perfect. And so um, you said around about um, last summertime, you, you moved on um, from that company um, and started on your journey um, from then to now. So about like nine months, I guess, um, ish. Um, what did you what did you do next and where did what did you encounter on that path and where did it um, lead you to today? Yeah, the path was, was like interesting is the best word to put it. <laughs> Uh, you know, I worked, I worked a lot for, you know, five years straight, if you include, um, well, if you include the last company, but then all the stuff before it as well, you know, I never really took a break. There was some, you know, sometimes I was able to take a week off maybe once, maybe twice a year at most. But I mean, a lot of it was just spent working all the way through. So all of a sudden, you know, I, I, I exit the company. I found that that was the right decision for me um, just because I felt, you know, it was a personal decision for me to leave. And I felt that, you know, for me to be, I, I felt like I put in what I needed to and I felt like it's time to move on to something else. And I, I'd love to move on to something that, you know, reignites the passion and, and, you know, gets me, gets me into the, the new chapter of life that I want to, you know, dedicate the next five to 10 years into. So realizing that was, was freeing and liberating and was, you know, also bittersweet, you know, telling, you know, everybody that I loved working with, you know, Hey guys, like I'm not going to be here anymore. Um, you know, some of them were shocked and, you know, it, it definitely was, uh, it was an emotional roller coaster. Um, and then getting over to the other side, you know, I had an office that I'd walk 15 minutes with my dog to, um, you know, and, and that was my, my routine and, you know, go hang out with everyone. And we spent a lot of time together. Now, all of a sudden on the other side of that, it's, uh, you know, I've got no one, you know, I had, you know, obviously friends and family, but, you know, uh, it was just a whole shock of the the daily routine. Um, and I think what came along with that was my mindset as well. Like it was a, it was a really great opportunity to look at, you know, what do I, what do I want to focus on next? What do I really care about? Where, what's going on with my mental state and how am I going to be able to take care of myself? Right. Because there might not be another time like this for another five years. You know, what if I do a company again, and just go all in, I'm not going to have time to, to you know, reassess, um, at least not for an indefinite period of time. So, um, yeah, going through that was interesting, but was very, very much a blessing and, and something that, you know, for me was very introspective and, um, you know, overall was very, a very beautiful experience, which ended up leading me to, okay, what do I want to do next? You know, what, it, you know, 
it's interesting when you, when you get rid of the fear and the scarcity and the, you know, I don't have to worry about money. I don't have to worry about, you know, my house or, you know, my family and my friends, like everything that's, that's important and like necess, uh, necessary in life is good. Like it, it's locked in. Um, and I feel comfortable with it. Um, and there's been enough consistency with that for long enough that I feel, you know, security for pretty much the first time ever, you know, it's, it's, you know, it's a really interesting, cool feeling to feel. And it puts you in this different mindset of, well, you know, what, what do I want to do just because I want to do it? Not because I feel like I have to do it. And uh, when you think of things from that way, you realize how much you did before because you thought you had to do it, not because you actually wanted to do it. And that's not necessarily a bad thing. I mean, there's a lot of things in life that you just got to do and you got to roll up your sleeves and get it done. Um, you know, if, if I wanted to do everything um, that I only wanted to do, uh, you know, sometimes I might not do much because, you know, there's just, there's things that you have to, to accomplish to get to the next level. Um, but yeah, it just, I, I started answering those questions. And I think one of the things that really stood out to me was, you know, the, the things that bring me energy and, and, you know, that I love doing, even when it's, let's say this late at night that I'm happy to do. And then imagine if we were to, about to do this again in six hours, so I could only sleep for a little bit, wake up and do it all over again. Like, what are those things that, you know, I actually want to do? Um, and, you know, I'm very lucky working on this new company, which unfortunately I do have to name uh, as Project X. I, I am not really allowed to talk about it very much. We're still, you know, building it out and, uh, and we'll be going into beta mode soon. But, um, you know, a, a great example is the, the small team that we have built up for that company. Um, you know, I wake up early in the morning and do conference calls a couple times a week with them. Um, uh, some of them are over in Europe, so it, it's a great time to do it. And, uh, you know, it just, I always feel charged up after that. I never feel, you know, like I wasted time or, or that I'm lower energy from it. Um, and I think as you look at the day and you figure out uh, what activities and what thoughts actually charge you up uh, versus take away energy from you, um, that can lead you down a really interesting path. So, you know, I feel very fortunate and very blessed to actually have had the opportunity to um, have enough time to stop and think about those things. That's that's incredible, and 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 yeah, it, it's absolutely true. Um, I remember actually my um, I think it was probably high school. A high school teacher, um, you you know, you do your exams at the end of the high school, and then you get a big big break. I'm, I assume it's the same elsewhere, but in the UK, you know, you do your your, your um, they're called GCSEs at the end of high school and then you get like a long summer break after after those exams and um i remember the the, the teacher basically saying like enjoy this break because it's it's kind of like the last time you'll ever have a break like this in your life and as a child you're like or you know as, as, a, as a teenager you're, you're like what no come on you know we, we get breaks at the end of you know multiple times a year at school and so on but you know it kind of really was true that, that after that you go into your next exams and your next things and then um, you know, you're out into the real world or, or, or whatever your path is, but there isn't a lot of uh, sort of downtime. And actually that's incredibly powerful. And I mean, um, 
I recently learned, for example, Bill Gates takes every year um, and has done for every year of his life. Um, he does a reading week and he takes himself off to like this isolated mm -hmm. location, just reads and reflects for a week, which, you know, it's so simple. And, and yet, you know, you're like, oh, that's the dream. And, you're, and, and, and then when you look at it, you're like, why is it just a dream? That's so simple to go to a different location with some books. Why can't you do that? And yeah. Um, yeah, it's an incredible, I guess, then you, seeing that reflection of, of the, the kind of, uh, I, I guess, the structure or the restrictions you've built for yourself around yourself through business or through hustle or through motivation, whatever, whatever it is, um, that something yeah, actually. Yeah, and actually real quick on that topic, like, you know, this has been so fascinating for me to see in, uh, in quarantine, which I love how I can just say quarantine and like everybody knows what it is. Like I don't have to explain, right? It's all yeah. it's something that we all share together. Uh, so what's been really you know fascinating through this whole experience is you know especially the first two weeks is you know everybody you know regardless of if you're an entrepreneur or not, you could be working any type of job or going to school or anything. Most people are quite busy. You know they're they're always doing something. They're always you know have to study, go to work, commute. They're thinking, um, you know, or they're they're being lazy and watching Netflix or whatever things are. They're always doing an action. And what was really interesting with uh, this this quarantine and what I experienced after leaving the company was that um, when you have a a, a chance to actually a be bored, like like truly bored and not know what to do. But B, when you start cutting out stimulation and all of the layers and the activities that you were doing to cover up what's actually going on inside and, and your true feelings, um, you actually find that a lot of it is like a defense mechanism. Um, you know, don't get me wrong. Netflix is great. It's great entertainment. There's lots of good stuff on there to watch. And, you know, it, it's good to be entertained that way. But you know, you might actually find that you've been watching Netflix for an extra hour or two a night just to cover up something that you didn't really want to feel. And it was easier for you to just watch two hours and then go to bed because you're tired rather than actually dealing with the emotions that are going on inside. And I found, you know, and I've spoken about this in private with a lot of entrepreneur friends is that, you know, work is for sure a coping mechanism. And a lot of entrepreneurs overwork themselves not because they need to, but because they're avoiding something and they don't want to feel the feelings inside. They don't want to deal with it, um, whether that's from, you know, self-judgment or they feel that um, feelings are too scary. So they don't want to actually deal with it or, you know, whatever the case is. And, you know, you can justify it saying, oh, you know, it's for my future. I'm, you know, working on changing the world, blah, blah, blah. You know, you can always spin it in a positive light. But what I found um, that can really help you. And it's really scary to do this, but if you force yourself to slow down and you force yourself to stop and actually think and be, uh, you know, self-reflective enough to understand why you're doing what you're doing. And you might find that you might need to cut out 30% of your day because you don't know why you're doing it. And, uh, you know, it might actually help you to just cut that out and replace that time with nothing or something more productive or whatever you choose to do. So quarantine has been interesting because it was a force, you know, it, it, it's not a, like a, a nice thing to do to take some time off. It's like, no, you're going to take some time off and you have to deal with it. So, um, you know, I think that that's, 
going to be really powerful for anybody listening to this who, um, you know, has maybe a feeling deep down inside that they don't want to deal with or, um, you know, just has behavior that they don't like about themselves or, you know, with their relationships. Um, you might actually find that if you slow down and, and look inside a little bit, you might be able to find the answer. Love that. What, um, what powerful words and definitely, um, yeah, I think there's, there's, I don't think there's an entrepreneur, certainly not an, an early, and I mean like less than 20 or 30 years of being an entrepreneur, um, out there that, that hasn't gone through that or currently going through that. And, um, yeah, it's very easy, isn't it? To, to say, no, I, you know, this is, this is, this is my suit, my, my working hard and providing for the family. That's, that's, that's me. And so I can't not do that. Or, you know, it's, it's an easy story to, um, to tell yourself and, and Mm. so easy yet so hard to, to change it. And so, yeah, what an incredible time that everybody, um, can and should uh, take, uh, right now, or indeed, even if, even if quarantine ends tomorrow, you still find it to, to, to figure out what, doing it a different way looks like like you said removing the layers and and listening to yourself oh kevin so at this point in the in the interview we we switch it up and we go into the rapid fire question round so i've got um some questions here season two's questions um for you i ask them quickly you can take as long as you want um to answer them are you up for that let's do it are you two thumbs up up for that two thumbs up there it is boom right question number one what superhero would you be and why uh batman because i love his voice <laughs> just just the, <laughs> just the voice you can probably just mess with your vocal cords to achieve that or something could you like, uh, maybe yeah that's true <laughs> um also a, a more serious answer though is the uh definitely love the power and respect that uh batman commands nice What's one thing that people often incorrectly assume about you? Um, uh, so I'm uh, born in June. I'm a Gemini, which means I'm uh, two-faced, which I guess for some people is, uh, you know, maybe not so much of a good thing. But my two faces are a serious side and a goofy side. So if you meet my goofy side or vice versa, you might only see me as one way. So I'm a little bit multifaceted and uh, can, you know, put on a straight face when I need to, but can also, you know, be a total goofball. Nice. What is the most pointless subject taught at schools and what would you replace it with? That's a great question. Uh, I'm trying to think, what did I learn in school? Uh, well, a lot of it's escaped my head, so I guess not much. Um, <laughs> I think. Uh, uh, you actually, you know what? Um, I don't like that you're allowed to do PowerPoint presentations in school and put full paragraphs on the screen and just read off the screen. I think that actually teaching some uh, public speaking skills would be great. And everybody knows that you're not allowed or you're uh, it's highly frowned upon if you put large paragraphs of text on a TED talk. So um, definitely shouldn't be doing it in school. Nice. What's one random act of kindness you've either witnessed or done yourself? Uh, I've seen, uh, actually I heard a great story of a friend buying a, um, a homeless person dinner and actually found out that person's life story of where they were at in life. And I think they actually ended up getting them a hotel room as well. They just needed a bit of a break. Um, and it really ended up making their day. 
um, which was great because they were actually able to sit down with them at dinner um, and, you know, tr- not only treat them like a human being, but also um, the, the, the guy on the street ended up giving the same respect back. And they actually ended up having a great conversation, which I thought was cool. That is cool. What unusual or underrated food or drink should more people try out? Um, okay, the first one that came to mind, I'm really, I'm not a big drinker at all, but for some reason, the first thing that came to mind, uh, if you want a drink that you can have that's low in calories and you don't want to feel too bad the next day, uh, don't do uh, vodka, cranberry, or vodka soda, do tequila soda. Hmm. Tequila soda. Tequila is a funny one. Tequila is one of those things where <clears throat> all of the um, all of the tequila you drink in your sort of college years and younger years is terrible. But then, like someone introduces you to a great tequila, and it's a very different experience. Um, it's, it's great tequila is meant to be sipped, and uh, if anyone's ever gone down to Mexico and done the uh, the tours down there, uh, you you might have had some good tequila, and uh, it's, it's pretty special. Nice. What's one mistake you made in your life and what did you learn from it? Uh, I think just again, because it's on my mind, you know, blowing almost 100 grand when I was 18, thinking that I'll be able to make this and more the next year. I think obviously, of course, save, uh, but understand why things happened instead of just the fact that they happened. Nice. Understand, yeah, understanding the why behind it so that you don't repeat it accidentally without being conscious of, 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 your, of what you're doing. What does the first 30 to 60 minutes of your day look like and at what time does it typically start? Uh, usually starts at around uh, between seven and eight. Um, always have to get up, um, stretch. Uh, make coffee, either uh, check the news like the Wall Street Journal, Bloomberg, stuff like that. Um, go on my phone a little bit, uh, though not too much, um, and then decide what's going on for the day. Plus, also try and definitely get in a workout, uh, ideally before lunch. Nice. What kind of workout do you favor nowadays? Well, I mean, nowadays, these quarantine workouts are uh, full body kettlebell workouts, uh, which are actually great. I mean, I used to do CrossFit and, you know, a kettlebell is something you can you can just destroy your whole body with. Um, but lucky for me, uh, once we get out of this, you know, I've got I live in an apartment building and on the third floor is a full, complete commercial gym. So I go down the elevator and I'm in the squat rack, you know, two minutes later. So uh, usually I'm there working out. Nice. Where do you go or what do you do to get inspired? Uh, I, lately, a big inspiration source for me has been uh, just incredible music, whether it's electronic or, or hip hop. Um, actually super big into you know fashion and design architecture as well. Um, so seeing what pops up from those sources, Japanese architecture has been pretty cool to me lately. Um, and actually, I'll show you one thing here. This book, I got it right on my table, Inward. Um, nice. Amazing book of poetry. Very, very inspiring. And um, has a bunch of great uh, prompts that you can use for journaling if, if you, if you want to get into that. I like that. <clears throat> and who do you idolize above anyone else and why? 
Uh, good question. Um, you know, I just have uh, I just have an idea of who I would really like to be um, in about twenty years, and and you know, maybe this isn't the the, the typical answer for this question, but you know, if I could turn into a person who's really, um, you know, sharp and smart and funny and honest, um, you know, and true to themselves while also being a good, you know, husband and, and parent, um, that that's pretty much the goal. I think basically following that is key. Um, and try not to get too caught up into all the other things in life that are distracting from that. Um, so it really just comes down to, to the truth. And some of the people I've met in life, um, kind of follow that, uh, or fit that criteria. And, and they're pretty inspiring to me, some close friends. So, uh, probably be them. Nice. What book do you read or gift the most? Um, there's one lately, which I discovered, which is not a business book, but has been probably one of the best books I've ever read in my life and has been fairly transformational and in, in just kind of how I think and see the world. Uh, it's awareness by Anthony DeMello. And this book is actually all, it, it's like a transcript of a talk that he gave, um, years ago and just talks about awareness and how you can be aware to yourself and what's going on around you. Um, it's fantastic. Highly recommended. Nice. I love it when we get a new book, uh, recommendation or new reading recommendation. What silly thing should people do more of? hundred percent laugh. I think uh, one of my my you know passions is uh, stand up comedy. Uh, might actually end up probably doing it one day, um, just 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 to check it off the list and actually get up there and, and get up on stage. But I think watching stand up comedy, both in person and on YouTube, and just laughing is something that I think is so needed. Couldn't agree. Couldn't agree more. So what what sources nowadays do you um or, or how do you get your laughter fix nowadays? So, I mean, obviously a lot of, you know, podcasts, Joe Rogan and his crew are, uh, are a great source of that. And you can always go down the rabbit hole with them. Um, but also just, you know, seeing life from a very, uh, lighthearted perspective. And, you know, like I said before, I can be serious and I can be goofy. And sometimes when I'm in my serious mode for too much, uh, you know, really funny things just aren't that funny anymore. And I need to lighten up and I just need to be able to go with the flow. So I think it's okay to laugh. It's okay to be a goofball. Uh, it's okay to, you know, show who you are on the inside um, and just let loose. You don't have to be so serious all the time. Love that. If you could change one world problem with one wish, what would it be? Um... I'd love to be able to do something about uh, education and uh, access to it and also quality of it. I can see that would be a big, um, a big solution. That, that, would be a, that would be an incredible uh, solution right there. Would you rather, we're going into the would you rather bit, would you rather always be 10 minutes late or 20 minutes early? Uh, I mean, 20 minutes early, I'm already 10 minutes early already. So what's another 10 for me? I mean, it's, it's basically the same thing. <laughs> Would you rather move to a new city or town every week 
or never be able to leave the city or town you were born in? Oh, that yeah, interesting question. Um, uh, yeah, I'm, I'll I'll move. I'll move every week. It's yeah, we'll just call it the nomadic lifestyle, I guess. Yeah. Were you born in Calgary? In Calgary, and hey, nothing. Uh, you know, it is a great place. Uh, it's just I've 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 been there, done that. You know, I was there for for twenty something years, and uh, you know, there, there's there's other cities I call my name. Nice. I love Calgary. Side side note, I've actually, you know, I, you may may be surprised to learn I've actually been to Calgary several times. One of my best friends in the world um, lives there and, and did the whole thing going up into Banff, and we we oh, shot all semi-automatic rifles in Edmonton, and um, uh, yeah, went went downtown. We got there's you've got like a specific ice cream takeout place that the the whole town raves about. I think we did that. And, uh, uh, I think yeah, you're probably thinking of Village. I think. Yes, that's that sounds that Something sounds familiar. Like that. Yeah, yeah. When it's yeah. all you no, know the flames like, crushing last year, a couple yeah. of, when they were they were doing their uh, playoff season. But I I know what you mean. Like it's the place that you were you were born in. You you, you feel yeah I've I've conquered this. I want to spread my wings and and be in new groups of people that aren't treating me in a certain way because I've always been a certain way. So I can be a new person and you know an experience. I guess exactly. And so that brings us to um, the final question, Kevin. And it's, an, it's, a, it's a big one. What makes you happiest? Um, actually, uh, is a fairly new, um, it's a fairly new, uh, trying to find the right word for it. Um, it's like myself. It's uh, it's a new discovery. That's what I meant to say. It's a new discovery to realize that uh, happiness is a choice, and you can only find it within yourself. And if you look for it in other people or other things, um, it's going to always be out of your control. So as soon as you take that in, you take responsibility for it. Uh, you'll you'll never be happier. And uh, luckily for me, uh, ever since uh, about about last summer. I was able to find that and uh, I've stuck with it ever since. Amazing. And so um, that's the end of the rapid fire question round um, and indeed pretty much the end of the show. But at this point, I'd just like to um, ask, do you have any asks or requests of the audience listening right now? Um, I mean, I'd love for everybody to, you know, take a second um, and kind of just go back through, um, you know, some of the questions that might already be in your mind, some of the ones that are in my mind are, you know, are you really doing what you love and are you on the right path? Um, are you doing what you need to do? Um, and are there things that you know you should do, but you're not quite doing them yet? Uh, whether because you're scared or you're just you're lazy or whatever, admit it to yourself. It's fine. You don't have to say this to anyone. It's say it inside your head or, or journal it down. Um, but what are those things, you know, take a second so that you can pause. I think it's, it's, it's mega powerful to be able to do that. Um, and then shoot me a message, reach out to me and let me know what you've done. And, and hopefully you can make a change if that's something that you want to do. Um, you can find me on social media, uh, Kevin Pasco. Um, you can search for me or I think on Instagram, it's KVNPSC. It's my name without any uh, vowels. 
So, um, yeah, reach out, find me on social and connect. Um, and hopefully, uh, maybe next time we can talk about, uh, the new company, the, the secret project that I'm working on right now. Sounds good to me. Well, Kevin, thank you so much for being um, so authentic, humble, sharing your wisdom, sharing your journey, um, and and just taking the time to to bring that value uh, to the world uh, today in this interview. Of course, yeah. Thank you for having me, Martin. It was fun. Hey there, you incredibly good-looking human. Thanks so much for listening. If you had a good time today and would like more good times in the future, please hit that subscribe button and leave a heartwarming review. I read them all and it will go a long way to help others out there benefit from all the teachings of this show. Don't forget, we release two interviews per week, plus a shorter, actionable and tactical show in between. And if you want to get in touch or otherwise learn more about me, head to martincook.co.uk or smarterdestiny.com. I really appreciate you. You're an incredible human. Until next time, keep crushing. Keep crushing.